It is good to see Pastor Ken here. It's good to see him last night. And I uh, appreciate Nick's comment. <laughs> Not sure if he ran away or he escaped or, or he was discharged, but he's here. So that's a good thing. And, uh, and for Don also. And, and uh, they have family in this this weekend, right? Yeah. So there we go. Well, that's good. And I just want to begin our time here with a word of prayer. All right. Father, I thank you for your presence and for the gift of this day. It comes from your hand to our lives, and we um, appreciate that, and we're grateful. And um, we're grateful for how you have had your hand upon Pastor Ken and his family and Don, giving them the strength they need. We, we trust in you. We depend upon you. And in the midst of all the different uh, circumstances, there can be frustration, there can be questions, but we, we continue to walk by faith, not by sight, and trust you. And so it's good to have him here today. We thank you for that. We pray that as we worship together and as we look at your word, that you will uh, just um, challenge us, um, encourage us, and Lord, um, grow us and send us out with understanding that uh, you have a purpose and a plan for each one here for your glory and good. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message uh, is simply, Why? Just the word, Why? And... Uh, There is a website I went to when I was working on the message, and it said uh, uh, the website is mandavo.com, and it's a company that supplies a digital marketing tool set for companies. And they listed the top ten questions adults ask. I don't know how accurate it is, but they had numbers there, so it's good for the sermon, so I grabbed it. So what do you think the number one question was? What is it? Why do bad things happen to good people? Good guess. This, in our digital age, of course, this was the number one question. What is my IP address? <laughs> the second question, anybody want to guess? What? What's my password? That's a good guess, too. What time is it? The third question is, how do I register to vote? The fourth, I was surprised at this one. How do I tie a tie? Is he my... The fifth question is, can you run it? The sixth is, what song is this? The seventh is, how do I lose weight? The eighth, how many ounces in a cup? The ninth, when is Mother's Day? And the tenth, 
how many ounces in a pound? Like I said, I don't know how accurate that is, but questions. We have questions. Questions are important. I often say questions are our friends. They cause us to interact and dialogue. They become the fuel for creativeness. They lead to the supply of information and the cultivation of understanding. Questions do that. This morning we're going to consider a couple of questions. The main one in particular is why? According to uh, an early preschooler will eventually wear down the adult or sometimes highlights the ignorance, not stupidity, but the lack of knowledge that the parent has or adult has. This is when we resolve to the famous because I said so conversation stopper. Paul Harris, a Harvard psychologist in his book, Trusting What You're Told, How Children Learn from Others, claims that children between the ages of two and five ask about 40,000 questions. At one point I thought, that was high, and at another point when I was thinking about it, I thought, man, that seems low. <laughs> Yet we as adults, sometimes in the church, are told not to ask why. Some believe to question or ask why is an indication of doubt, lack of faith, or arrogance. Sometimes we're warned that to ask why is an affront or an insult to God. We're going to look this morning in Exodus 5 to understand the value of questions and more specifically the question of why. In this passage, Moses serves, Moses serves as an example of achieving God's mission being in the heart of the purpose of God while asking the question, why? So if you look at Exodus 5, we're going to read verses 6 through 9 and 5 through 13, or 5 through, 15 through 23, sorry. Exodus 5, beginning with verse 6. That day, Pharaoh commanded the overseers of the people, as well as their foremen, don't continue to supply the people. Now, he's talking to his supervisors who are over the Hebrew people. And so Pharaoh's telling his overseers of the Hebrews, don't continue to supply them with straw or making bricks as before. They must go and gather straw for themselves, but require the same quota of bricks from them as they were making before. Do not reduce it, for there are slackers. That is, why, that's why they're crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Impose heavier work on the men then they will be occupied with it and not pay attention to deceptive words. They're just lazy. 
So make them make their straw. Make them make the same amount of bricks. That'll take care of this thing of thinking they got time to go out and worship God. Let's pick up in verse 15. So the Israelite foremen, plural, went in and cried for help to Pharaoh. Obviously, right? I can't get the straw and make the same number of bricks. You're killing these people. So they go into Pharaoh. Why are you treating your servants this way? No straw has been given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks. Keep it up. Look, your servants are being beaten, but it is your own people who are at fault. But he said, Pharaoh said, you're slackers, slackers. That's why you're saying, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must produce the same quantity of bricks. The Israelite foreman saw that they were in trouble. That's saying it lightly, right? (laughs) When they were told, you can't reduce your daily quota of bricks. What are we going to do? When they left Pharaoh, where did they go? They confronted Moses and Aaron. Who stood, waiting, <laughs> who stood waiting to meet them. And this is what they said to Moses and Aaron. May the Lord take note of you and judge. They said to them, because you have made us reek to Pharaoh and his officials, putting a sword in their hand to kill us. You're the reason we're having problems, Moses and Aaron. Verse 22 says, so Moses went back to where? To the Lord. And he, and he says what? Why? Why have you caused trouble for this people? And why did you ever send me? I never asked for this. Ever since I went into Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has caused trouble for this people. And what's the last part of that? And you haven't rescued your people at all. That's pretty bold. This is Moses. Recorded in scripture as a prime instrument of God in achieving his will. And this is what he says. He's still on mission. God didn't say, get over there, you spoiled brat. He didn't say, you don't have enough knowledge. Get over there and sit in the corner till you straighten up and fly right. He replied to him, stay on mission. But why? What's going on? Moses was born in Hebrew. He was raised an Egyptian. 
After he had become a man, he sought to correct an injustice he saw according... He was a Hebrew, born a Hebrew, and he saw a Hebrew being mistreated by an Egyptian, and he took things into his own hand. He's going to deliver the people, and he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. So nobody knows. Next day, he goes out, and two Hebrew brothers are fighting. And he steps in, and one of them says, What, are you going to kill one of us like you did that Egyptian? And Moses goes, Oop. This is known. I'm out of here. And went to Midian, a different country. And while he was there, and after several years in Midian, performing his daily routine, he noticed something unusual. A bush on fire. But no sparks. No smoke. So, he looked closer. Not only is the fire different, but as he looked closer, a voice comes out of the bush. I never had that happen. I don't know if you have. But it would get my attention, wouldn't it, you? Might scare me. And you would think I was crazy if I told you it happened. Moses is now in a conversation with God concerning God, what God wants him to do. He was just doing his daily routine, and God came to him, and he has a plan. And he wants to involve Moses. And he gets his attention. He's out there all by himself. And as God calls him, Moses resists. First of all, who's going to believe me? I mean, you're talking about going back there, and I ran out because one of those Hebrew slaves, I was scared. So who's going to believe me? He didn't have confidence in going back. He said, who's going to believe me? How am I going to go right into the presence of Pharaoh and be taken seriously? I went to him. Secondly, I don't talk well. So that's not going to go well for the mission. I can't even get the words out very well. I don't have confidence. I'll be a joke because of my speech impediment. God shows him in miraculous ways that he's behind all this. But Moses continues to resist. So God God calls another man to help in the mission. His brother, Aaron. Only Aaron doesn't receive the call through a burning bush. He receives the call from Moses, who says, hey, God said you need to come with me. Whether there are bells or whistles or only a small, still voice, God intends to use each of us to carry out his message of salvation. 
you don't have to have the smoke and mirrors. You may have just a sense that God wants you to do this or that. It's one of those voices that you don't hear, but it's so quiet, it's deafening. And you hear it. So this morning in our passage, I want us to understand the question why prepares us for the next steps of obedience. It's not a bad thing. It prepares us to do the next thing that God wants us to do and helps us to understand along the way without getting all the answers. How's this happen? Well, first there's the value of why. It indicates an honest pursuit. If we're going to ask why, then we're expressing honesty to God. I don't understand this. And what we learn in that process and the honesty of the, of the pursuit is that perhaps we may have some unmet, unfulfilled expectations. Moses says, verse 22 of chapter 5, you haven't delivered your people at all. He had the expectation. God told him that. But God wasn't meeting his timetable or his expectation that when he went the first time, God would do it. So when we ask why, we can be opening our heart to say, I don't get it. You said this, I did this, but I don't see this. That's an honest question. We would want our kids to come ask us that, wouldn't we? When they were struggling, we used to say at our, our table, you can't use language, some language outside of here, but at this table, you can use whatever language you hear to ask a question. You say, well, you know, we get in trouble if we say that word. Not here, because we're going to talk about it. Moses was saying, I, I didn't think it was going to work. But you convinced me otherwise, and now things have not worked out the way you had led me to believe they would. So the question indicates the unmet expectation. There can be three possibilities that he could look at. Perhaps you didn't do it because of my disobedience. Sometimes we go there first thing. And that's not the first place we need to go. Maybe we don't hear God because I've done something wrong. It's not a bad question. But that may not be the answer. Sometimes it's a matter of timing. It's the right thing, but it's not. It's, it's, it was here. Or maybe it's just the essential part of the plan. That it's coming. God is working in ways that we don't even see. We have a microscopic view, and God is doing things even more. What happened? Moses, Aaron got, got involved. So sometimes when we ask why, we learn that we had unmet expectations. Sometimes 
when we ask why, it's on the basis of or a concern that it's been, we've created difficulty for myself and others. In verse 22, first part, it says, And since I have come to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. I followed you, but not because of following you. But now, because of following you, life has become more difficult, not only for me, but for others. We had expectations that it would not be hard. (laughs) If you're going to follow Christ, clear up an expectation. Right? What is that expectation? It may not be what? Easy. Achieving God's will may not be conventional, popular, politically correct, or along party lines. God will not be put in a box that we make. As a a result, we understand the importance of community. When it gets difficult, how important it is to have someone to come alongside and say, I'm here, I don't have the answer, but I'm praying with you. I'll walk with you. When following the call of God, we must support one another because doing what is right may be harder than we thought. And even when we do it, it may cause some difficulty to those around us. When that happens, our proper relationship with God is indicated by our compassion for those who are hurt, not our hatred for our enemy. There's a danger here of naysayers, gossips, and fault finders. People who, when you are following God and, and following his purpose for your life, to be included in that proclamation of salvation to a world, There are going to be people, when you go out and do something, say, you can't do that. We've never done it that way before. Now look what you did. Now you got everybody upset. And you're to blame. That happened. Those foremen said, and they had, as far as my humanness, I would feel the same way. You stirred this up, Moses, and now we're having, it's impossible for us. So the question of why opens our heart to God's understanding, even in the midst of sensing the pressure of doing the right thing, even though it causes hardship. But also the question of why expresses a desire for completeness or maturity. As I said, it's not wrong to question. Sometimes, sometimes it's not the lack of belief that causes a question. It's the strength of your belief. It's the deepness of your conviction 
that causes a question to come in your circumstance and situation. It's not lack of faith. It's a faith that seeks understanding, to use an old phrase in Christian history. Frequently, we reward the right answer more than the right question. Ask any school teacher. I don't know. Ask, ask a lot of them. Nick? We get the state test, and how many times do we teach the test to get the answers? I remember, and you may have done this too when you were in school, and even college, you know, you're supposed to be a little more mature. But you ask the teacher or the professor, can you tell us what's going to be on the test? What happened to the process of trying to learn? Just give me the answer. Sometimes we're threatened by questions. Questions are harder to grade than answers. Uh, I have a friend who teaches math at uh, MCC. And he helped me understand this a little bit as far as math goes. And I, we were always about getting the right answer in school. You know, and when you worked on it, you could have a scratch piece of paper and you could work on it and then put down the answer. But now, many places, you need to show the process by which you get the answer. And you may get the wrong answer, correct me, right, if I'm wrong, but you'll get some credit for the process. It's not just about the answer. The best example in Scripture for the question why as an indicator of deep commitment and the completion of God's will is in Matthew 27, 46. When in that passage, at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is what? My God, my God, what's the word? Why have you abandoned? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. So don't tell me why is wrong. It's the ultimate one asking the ultimate question. After the garden, when he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. This place that I, I'm headed, that I've been proclaiming that I'm going to, let this pass from me. Nevertheless, what? Not my desire, but your desire. And now he says, why now? You know, we have ways to explain things and get them in nice, neat boxes, right? Or categories. And I know over time, and many have said, and this may be true, you know, the reason he said that is because God the Father had to turn his back on him because all, all the world's 
sin was laid on him. And he couldn't look, he's so holy, he couldn't look. Listen, God saw Jesus dying on the cross. He did not turn his eye away. It was his only son and he saw him. It wasn't because he looked away. I know that's not the case. If Jesus, if God says to us, I will never leave you or forsake you, is he going to do it to him? You say, well, he did it because of me, and so he did. Jesus didn't cry out this question asking for information. Why? Tell me why. Why? I need to know. He knew he was going there. He wasn't, he didn't ask a question because he was disobedient. He didn't ask it because it wasn't working right at the time and there was there a better time. No, this was the right time. Jesus knew why he felt forsaken. He knew why he was going there. He wasn't asking for it. He understood. He was speaking. He was our substitute. He took our place. He was a man, fully man, fully God, dying for our sin. And he felt the pain of it all. And he bore that without ever sinning against the Father. How do I know that? Because he was raised from the dead. And the resurrection proves that he conquered sin and death. If he would have sinned in asking that question, he would have never came out of the grave. I'm not going to stand here and arrogantly try to tell you why he asked. I, I just know he asked. Feeling deeply about what was happening and fulfilling the mission of God in the process. So, I want to go from that to say, so what's the reason for the why? How many of you like to work jigsaw puzzles? Anybody? A few? We just started to a little bit. Not a lot, you know. And, and what is the most frustrating thing about working a jigsaw puzzle? Huh? A piece missing. <laughs> a piece missing. And then you're down on the floor, you're looking around, you're looking in the lid, you're looking, you know. And it's troubling. It's troubling. But as we ask the question and we have the conversation with God because of an honest question of why or question. 
we begin to see the whole picture and we begin to find the pieces that fit that picture. And sometimes there's a piece missing and we're looking. Doesn't Jesus say, ask, seek, knock? So, what's the completed picture? Well, it's a comprehensive mission. We're all on a mission together. This, message, this mission of God to save a world that he loves. And each of us has a part in that. And it can be unique and should be unique and individual. You don't have to be like him or her. And you, she doesn't have to be like you. No, we've got to learn how to you know, get along here with the focus of the mission. Don't lose the focus. It's just not about getting along. It's about being on the mission together. So in Hebrews 11, 32 through 38, we see this comprehensive mission. It says in Hebrews, And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, these Old Testament people who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Powerful. Right? Miraculous. They were a part of the mission. Then it says other people were what? Tortured. Not accepting release. So that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced what? Mockings and scourgings. As well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. That's one that Christian history says might have been Isaiah. They, they died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. The war, listen to this verse. The world was not worthy of them. You know, you get the attention when you're the victor, when you win. And we live in a competitive society, don't we? <laughs> you know, elementary kids, high school kids, man, doing the fist bumps, the chest bumps and everything. All about, you know, winning. But what about those who look to be losers, look like they lost? Jesus when he was on the cross, they came by and said what? He could save others, but what? Can't save himself. If you're the Son of God, do what? Show me. Come down from that cross. And he hung there. It's a comprehensive mission. And the results don't define the faithfulness. You know what I'm saying? 
if you're scourged, doesn't mean you were less uh, less um, purposeful, less obedient than the one who shut the mouth of a lion. It's all about the mission. And God's promises come in those questions. The answers come. They're not specific, maybe. They're not like, well, oh yeah, okay, well, let's see. Uh, so I'll go there, and maybe I'll go to the hospital, I'll get an infection, the wound will heal up, and it'll be good. It's a matter of days. He could do that, but he doesn't. What's, what's the promise of God? Is it that we then begin to create these expectations again? No. It's, here's, a, here's a couple of promises. One is that he, what he told Moses. Listen, I am the one, I am will go with you. Remember Moses said, well, who should I tell him sent me? And what did God say? Tell him, I am sent you. And Moses was like, that's going to go off. It's going to give me a lot of track time. But God says, I, I am who I am. You don't need any more than that, and I'll be with you. And then in Philippians 4.13, he says this. I am able, and Paul says this, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, I can go out here and get in this parking lot, and I can say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to leave this building in a single bound. And I jump and get about that high off the floor. Doesn't happen. This is not about God coming along a side of me, being who I need him to be so I can be what I want to be. This is about God saying, listen, in, in, in promising to me that I can do everything I need to do in the mission of God be, through Christ who strengthens me to do it. It's all about the mission of God. If it doesn't happen, we come with unmet expectations. It doesn't mean... Now what? God's too weak. No, it means, what is it, God? Apparently, maybe I had this idea that it was going to be this. I mean, Moses says, you didn't even deliver your people, like you said. Maybe it's about, hey, it's the mission. Look to me. You're going to accomplish it because as you trust Christ, you can do anything you need to do to get there and complete the mission. The other promise is 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says this. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is what? Faithful. 
He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he will also provide what? The way out so that what? You may be able to... Now, wait a minute. Hold on. That makes no sense to me. Because the way out means the way out. And in the, in the, in the King James, it says the way out is, it says, the word is escape. You will, he will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. Now, wait a minute. That's not what I think of as escape. Escape means I get out of it. But this is saying the way out is through it. Hmm. I don't like that idea as much, do you? But he says, listen, everyone's been tempted with this. It's a common temptation. And to quit, to stop, to see God is not faithful, but God will make a way so that that temptation won't bear fruit as long as we continue to ask the questions. And he will lead us through. God has a purpose for each of us to achieve his mission of redemption of humankind. And each person in this room has a part in it. You don't have to get behind a pulpit. You don't have to get in front of a microphone. You can do it in, in your kitchen, in your living room, in your garage. But you are needed because God created you to be that individual. He created me to be the individual that's needed. The piece of the puzzle. Don't be the missing piece. Questioning and conversation and growth all starts in one place of what we've been talking about today. And it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If we're talking, if we've been, I've been preaching this morning and saying, I have no idea what the heck this guy's talking about. Then start here. If you've never understood what, what the meaning of the cross is, start there. On the cross, when Jesus cried that out, he was dying for each one of us because we chose a different plan than God's. And in that act of the cross, God says, you don't have to go back and try to make up things in order for me to just accept the death of my son for you and you're forgiven and come be a part. I have a plan for you. You start with confessing that you need him, that you understand that you're a sinner, that you needed Jesus to die 
for the forgiveness that comes pure and clean in the grace of God that embraces you. You may have already done that, but you're going through a tough time. Don't stop asking questions. Keep your ears and your eyes open. God is at work. Ask the questions because it may be your preparation for the next step of obedience or understanding even more who this God is in your life. Wherever you are this morning, after we're dismissed, I just want to encourage you that if you sense that I have never really understood what Jesus did for me, and I would like to accept that in my life, then you can talk to me, you can talk to Pastor Kenny, you can talk to Don, you can talk to somebody in this congregation that you know, and they'll talk with you, and they'll pray with you, and they'll listen to you. It may just be a listening ear. So after we're dismissed, I know, um, don't, don't, don't let yourself take, well, you know, it's over, everybody's trying to get home. This is an important part. And don't hesitate to find that person out. As I said, Pastor Ken, though, you know, we want to be sensitive to you, Pastor Ken. You know, I'll be glad to talk with you, Nick, other people here, Ken. Uh, others will be glad to talk with you. If you don't know, just come talk to me. Okay. So we're going to have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to ask that uh, Nick comes and he'll have a closing song. So let's let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the God that you are, the I am that covers everything we need, whether we know it or not, that you have a mission, that you have a plan, that every person could sense the love and receive the love that they need, and, and Lord, to understand the purpose that their life, their lives are about, and about how you want to use them to reach that friend, that family member, that neighbor that acquaintance. God, we need you for that understanding, for the power, for the perseverance. Open our heart. Lord, I know that you'll welcome all the questions we have in order that we might be the kids you want. So, Father, uh, I pray if there's anyone here that needs to pray with someone, to talk to someone, to understand more about what Jesus did or maybe what you're doing in their lives, that we can pray with them, they will, they will respond. If not, I pray that they will find that person as they leave from here. So Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.